Mindful Happy Kids, created and narrated by Dr. Elizabeth Page, consists of interviews with children's authors and poets and illustrators, musicians of all types, and yoga and mindfulness practitioners. Dr. Page also reads from her own children's books on compassion, gratitude, mindfulness, and yoga. Pippi the Puppy and Dr. Page practice meditations or pet-centered meditations, which are recorded as part of the videos. Hi, Audrey Clark. Thank you so much for being here. Do you want to take a couple minutes to interview, introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Audrey, as you introduced me. Um, I am a yoga teacher here in the Sacramento area. I've been teaching yoga for two years. And then this year, I actually also began working as a yoga and social emotional learning teacher for middle schoolers in the Natomas area. Uh, before I was a yoga teacher, I went to school to study biological anthropology, which is the study of human bones. And I was really interested in that field of study, but then I found that living people are much more exciting to work with. So it led me here to this <laughs> profession. <laughs> That's great. What brought you to yoga? Well, my journey with yoga, it started around 11 years ago. When I was 14 years old, I took my very first yoga class. This was kind of in the height when everyone was really obsessed with hot yoga, formerly called Bikram yoga. So all of my friends when we were 14 years old decided we were going to go to this hot yoga studio. It's 105 degrees, incredibly humid in a fixed sequence. And I really liked it in that moment. I decided to take yoga classes at that hot yoga studio for many years. But then after a while, I, I kept hearing like this talk within the yoga community that yoga is supposed to make us feel better, right? There's some sort of mindfulness that happens, this kind of off in the distant thing that we all want to achieve. And I was noticing that I wasn't really getting that with hot yoga. So I took a break and just figured yoga wasn't for me. And I came back to it during the pandemic. I was in a really low place in 2020 and locked inside my house. And I figured, hey, maybe the hot yoga wasn't for me, but why don't I try vinyasa yoga? So I did vinyasa yoga in my house and decided that when the world reopened, I was going to find a yoga studio nearby. And I just kind of assumed like I would find my people there. And that's how I ended up at OneFlow. What is vinyasa yoga? Vinyasa yoga. So vinyasa yoga is it can be flow or it can be still. It's linking movement with breath. So it's a randomized sequence. It's not a fixed sequence like you see with Bikram yoga or Ashtanga. It's fluid. So there's opportunities for movement, for flow. There's opportunities for hold. And it gives you kind of like a creative freedom as a practitioner and as a teacher because there's infinite possibilities. So what's a fixed sequence? 
A fixed sequence would be the same poses in the exact same order. So every time you go into a class, you would do the same pose to start and it'd go in the same order, which can be really fun for some people because they like a routine. They like a set expectation of where a class can go. As a yoga teacher, now that I teach vinyasa, I see that sometimes it can hold us back a bit as practitioners because it kind of gives us it only gives us a certain amount of room as a practitioner to go. Like there's no way to really advance further than that. There's no real creativity past that. It's just fixed. Can you tell me a little bit about your yoga practice? Yeah, my yoga practice. So I primarily practice at One Flow, which is where I teach yoga. I really try to commit to going and showing up in the community for myself um, three times a week at the minimum. Of course, life sometimes gets in the way. I also practice during the week. I try to set aside sometimes for some creative practicing here that's outside of programming and coming up with sequences for classes. I have to admit, though, my practice at home, it, it looks a lot different than in the studio. There's a lot of dancing and moving around, and it doesn't necessarily have like a fixed place I'm going. It's kind of just fun and creative. So what does yoga do for you? Like, why do you dedicate so much time to it? Honestly, I mean, it all kind of goes back to what yoga literally means. Yoga, it comes from the root word in Sanskrit, yuj, to yoke, not like an egg yoke, but like to yoke two oxen or two workhorses together. And it literally means connection. It means to unite. And part of what yoga does for me is it gives me community right? And it gives me my people and my coworkers and all of the wonderful humans that show up in the yoga studio. It gives me that outlet to be with people who are like-minded in a creative and loving space. And it also gives me a place to physically work through some of the stuff that goes on in my life. I'm someone who struggles with anxiety a lot and yoga specifically using Breath work that we learn in yoga has helped tremendously when I have panic attacks and when I have anxiety in my day-to-day life. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Did it help get you out of your bad space during the coronavirus? It did. It gave me a way to move. It gave me a way to move. And I think it gave me hope, this idea that I was going to be able to find a community that eventually COVID was going to at least lessen to a point that we can become social creatures once again and be with each other in the same room. So the second the studio reopened, I went to all the studios in the area, found the one that I meshed with the most and ended up where I was. What made you mesh with One Flow Yoga? Oh, it was a feeling the second I walked in that space. It was probably around the the fourth studio I had walked into. And I got a text. It was actually Tracy, who's um, one of the owners of OneFlow. She texted me the night before and kind of gave me just a rundown of expectations, like how I'd show up, where to park. And that already felt really welcoming. And then right when I walked in the room, okay, I'm back. First little puppyhood, huh? 
I know, really, though. Um, so anyway, right when I walked in the studio for the first time, it was so welcoming. And Tracy gave me a whole tour of the space. And it felt so warm and wonderful. And then I sat down in the yoga studio and all of the people around me introduced themselves and welcomed me. And by the end of class, I just knew, like, I just knew that this was what I had been hoping for. This was the community that I was looking for. And just so people know, you can wear a mask. Yes, you so can. If you're, worried about, if you're worried about coronavirus, you can wear a mask at the studio. Absolutely. I know. And, and it's because, and I'm so glad that that is 100% acceptable as well, too, because it's supposed to be a safe space. And if a safe space for you is protecting yourself and wearing a mask, go for it. Do that. Take care of yourself. The other thing I go to OneFlow also, and the other thing that I found at OneFlow is it's very accepting of people at different levels. Absolutely. Yeah. We love beginners. We love beginners. We love everyone who walks in those doors. And there is a space for you where you are, exactly where you are. And there's no place that you need to reach to be worthy to do yoga. Walking in those doors, you're ready for yoga. Let's talk a little bit about the beginner series. Yeah. You want to tell me a little bit about it? Absolutely. So the beginner series is a workshop that we have at OneFlow. And it is a four week long workshop. We meet twice a week. So it's a total of eight sessions. And it's a really great place for people who are either brand new to the practice to come people who've taken a bit of a break away from yoga or those who just want to deepen their understanding of what this yoga practice is all about. One thing I love about OneFlow's beginner series is that while the information, while what we teach is applicable and can be applied to your practice at OneFlow, you can take it with you anywhere you go to any yoga studio. So it really gives you the building blocks of talking about what is this thing called yoga? Why is it important? What are the scientific benefits? We go into breath work and drishti, which means gaze, and all of these wonderful things, as well as diving deeper into all of the poses that you tend to see in a beginner level one friendly class. What kind of benefits do you think yoga has for adults? And then we'll get to kids in a little while. Definitely. I mean, I think there's so many. A huge portion of it, if we just start with the physical, is just starting to move our bodies. And not only move our bodies just to get exercise, to build strength, which of course is really important. It's also that, you know, a lot of us, maybe not a lot of us, but some of us are doing work like therapy outside of yoga. And while talk therapy is so important and is always recommended, we also need to move that energy as well. We also need to feel it in other kinds of capacities. And yoga works really fabulously in tandem with things like talk therapy. So we can really start to move through the things that we're working on outside of the yoga studio. It's also just great for breath and stress relief and spending time in a community and building those social bonds. So all of it together, you know, it's 
it's a really transformative practice that I think benefits can benefit any adult. You talk about the relationship between yoga and meditation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yoga and meditation, it's one of those things, you know, I, I'm definitely no expert on meditation, nor do I say I'm any expert on yoga. Meditation is huge because there's so much scientific study around it, especially in recent years, of how much it actually benefits our brains, how much it can actually start to lower our cortisol levels, reduce stress, increase the amount of time that we have for sleeping. So really fabulous benefits with meditation. Now, yoga is a little bit different than that because oftentimes when we think of yoga, it's linked with a physical practice. So we still have this mindfulness. We still have this awareness and this paying attention, but now we're linking it with movement. While meditation, we have this awareness, this breath, this mindfulness, but we're finding stillness, which is sometimes why I think that meditation can be a little bit intimidating for people to dive into because it asks us to be still while yoga gives us something to do, which as Americans, we tend to like something to do. (laughs) (laughs) So let's dive into the kids. What got you involved with the kids? You know, it's something that I've been curious about for a while. I initially did actually a private at OneFlow working with some high schoolers, some freshman high schoolers who were on a soccer team. And that was really fun working with them in the private space and kind of moving with injuries or common things that come up in soccer. And so I was just kind of looking around for some additional classes to teach and didn't necessarily want to work at a different studio because I love OneFlow so much and it was hard to wrap around bringing my love into a different space, like a studio. And so I found this uh, company online, Awareness Academy, and they do social emotional learning and yoga in a elementary and middle school and high school. They're starting to do high school as well, too. So through all of those grades, and I thought, oh, what a fantastic thing to do. I would would absolutely love to give that a try and, and see how that goes. What is social emotional learning? Social emotional learning is, I think the best way to kind of describe it, it's kind of a hot word right now, especially in um, yoga and mindfulness for children. It's really starting to build those building blocks really early in development. So things like anger management, how we process our feelings, how we start to incorporate mindfulness. So it's starting to deal with these really big topics that oftentimes we start to deal with later in life. And we're applying them to a younger demographic, giving them all of those building blocks so they can start to deal with their emotions in a beneficial and healthy way from a young age. So what does that look like? What does it look like? Give me a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, this month is all about being brave. So January theme, all about being brave. So I just was teaching there yesterday, and we had a whole conversation on what bravery means to us. 
Can bravery be a mental thing? Can bravery be a physical thing? We took some time going around in the circle. Those who wanted to share, shared times in their lives when they felt especially brave. We talked about how people in history, right, because Martin Luther King Jr. Day was just this past Monday, how his bravery and how he showed up made a really big difference and how we have, even in small ways, abilities to do that as well. And then with that, especially since it was bravery and they're really adventurous with their yoga poses, everything's on the table for them. We did uh, warrior sequences to feel that bravery. And then we played with some back bends and an arm balance. So what is the warrior sequence? Oh, so I was just thinking of all of the warriors. So warrior one, two, and three, which is oftentimes the most common warriors that we think of. Uh, so we did those three together. And warrior three is a fun one to do with kids too, because it's a balancing pose. They like to call it Superman. And I encourage them to reach out to their neighbors because we're in a circle. And then they can use their neighbor's support to hold on to, to keep them upright. So it's a fun way to connect in that way. And then I also taught them a humble warrior, which is like warrior one, but we interlace our hands behind our lower back. And then we bow our chest down towards our front leg. And then the last one was our reverse warrior, which is like warrior two, you flip the front palm and then you reach the arm up as you slide the back hand down your back leg. Now, what is the, what are the warriors supposed to do for a kid? You know, I, so when I was thinking of it, when I was coming up with this plan, I was just thinking of ways that we could be warriors, like with bravery in our lives. So I was taking the actual names more seriously here. And then humble warrior and the peaceful warrior, which is like that reverse I was talking about, because even if we're warriors and we're going out into the world and fighting these battles, like we still need to have peacefulness. We still need to be humble as well, too. And then, of course, the physicality of them is it's just beneficial to get kids to, to start to move their bodies and to start to pay attention to sensations in yoga poses. Now, I've found that I watch little kids do like downward dog with no problem. Yes. And I'm kind of like, that's totally not fair. I agree. I know. (laughs) Do you find that? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's what I was talking about, Liz. It's like, I'll just hint at, for example, crow pose, which is an arm balance. And like five of them will just get into it right away. And and they don't care if they fall out of it. They don't have that fear yet, right? Because why balancing poses tend to be so scary for us adults is we have a fear of falling on our faces or hurting ourselves, which is a very true and real feeling. But kids, they fall down and they get right back up. They don't they don't have that same hesitation. So they just want to go for it. They just want to try all of these crazy poses just to see if they can do it. And what do you think the yoga does for them? I think the yoga gives them a space to try some fun things. I think if we look at the physical, if we look at the asana, so that's um, Sanskrit for posture or pose, what we usually think of as yoga, these shapes we go into, I think it gives them a creative outlet to move their bodies, especially when I give them the flexibility to start to try to come up with their own yoga poses 
or to create a sequence together. It's creative. It's fun. You keep mentioning Sanskrit. Why? Um, maybe because it's just deeply ingrained <laughs> from beginner series. Uh, if I just introduce like a word asana, right? I'm like, well, I guess I should define that that's Sanskrit and then define what that word means just in case others don't know. What's the relationship between Sanskrit and yoga? Well, the first mention of yoga was in Sanskrit. It was in the Rig Veda, which is an ancient text from India. And the very first mention um, was yoga and asana in that text. And it's funny because oftentimes we think of this practice of yoga as a really, really ancient practice. And it is ancient in a way, but the shapes like warrior one, two, and three, these are relatively new. They're only about 100, 150 years old. The actual translation all the way back from the Rig Veda was to basically take a seat. So it was like a meditation, the first mention of yoga way back when in Sanskrit. So what would you recommend for people who are listening or watching this and kids or adults are interested in yoga? What would you recommend that they do? I would recommend that they do a little bit of research. See if any studios near you offer any kind of beginner classes or even better beginner workshops. When you do a beginner workshop, it's really fun because oftentimes it's going to be all brand new people. So it might feel a little less scary. I think sometimes the hesitation with being brand new to yoga and joining the yoga studio is you don't want to be the one it feels vulnerable to be the one that knows like the quote unquote least in the class. And I feel like that is one thing that can kind of hinder people because they know they have an interest in this thing and they show up to class, but it seems like everyone knows what they're doing already. And they feel maybe not so great that they don't know what's going on. So finding a workshop is a really great way to go about things. And you also meet people newer to the practice who might be showing up to classes in the future. Same kind of applies for kids. Um, I know in the Sacramento area, I'm not exactly sure, in other cities around the state or country, but there are uh, yoga for kids workshops oftentimes. And that can also be a really fun way to kind of sign your kids up for a yoga class with other kids. And usually it's going to be led by someone who is trained to work with children. The one that's in Sacramento is um, by a woman who is a child psychiatrist and also a yoga practitioner. So she meshes those two together and has these workshops teaching kids yoga and social emotional learning. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So can you give me information on how to get to One Flow Yoga? How can people find it if they're interested? Yeah, definitely. Just pull up your web browser and search One Flow Yoga. I believe it's oneflowyoga.com, but if you put it in the Google bar, it should be the first thing that pops up. And we're in the Sacramento area. Uh, we also have workshops and we have a ton of really exciting things actually going on this year. We've really upped up the amount of workshops that are happening. So 
Every single month is something new. So if you're a little intimidated to jump right in full force to the physical and you're more interested in the mindfulness and meditation aspects of it, we have a breathing workshop that we just did. We're going to have a, I think it's over a couple of weeks, might be even a month. We're going to have a whole workshop on the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the texts that um, at one flow we feel is like the most important for the yoga practice. So a lot of really fun and exciting stuff is uh, coming up in the upcoming months. Great. Well, thank you so very much, Audrey. This was great. Thank you. I think that your kids are very lucky to have you. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm lucky to have them. Listen, they, they teach me more and more every single time I show up for them. I'm just there holding space. They're the ones like really leading the class, I swear. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you very much.